It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07 at News Talk WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves with Georgia Gardner, and I am here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do in your garden. All you have to do is call. All you have to do is call 404-872-0750. Dialing those 10 digits gets you access to a wealth of knowledge and information based on research, tempered with experience. And I have it right here at my fingertips no my nerve tips well wherever you get knowledge wherever you get experience that's where you get the information every saturday morning from 6 a.m to 9 a.m the lawn and garden show here on wsb and i will tell you i had a great time not being here last saturday I, by all reports it was a great show and i do appreciate appreciate ashley and winston and jason for taking care of that for me but i was out in california a Visiting with my beloved son, who some of you who have been listening to the radio show for many, many, many years remember when my son was born, don't you? Yeah, you do. You remember when he was born back in 1990, 27 years ago. So my son lives in California, California near Sebastopol, which is in the Sonoma Valley part, which is right next to the Napa Valley part of California. And what I was really impressed with in Sebastopol and in Sonoma Valley, really, was how green it was. Oh, my gosh. I was thinking of California being all sort of dry and brown in wintertime and all that. But no, it is very, very green out there because the pastures are full of grass. The cows are grazing. They have dairy farms. They have beef cattle operations. They have all sorts of things growing. It was beautiful, just beautiful. Love driving around in that part of the world as he showed me around through Sebastopol and the other parts of the of the county in which he lives. That was just really, really fun. I really enjoyed that. And then got to go to another part of the country, completely different from California, and that was Albuquerque, up above Albuquerque in the Jemez Mountains, over in Santa Fe as well. But the Jemez Mountains, oh, man, if you have not been there, the rocks are red. The rocks are pink. The rocks are reddish pink. The rocks are every color in between red and pink and brown and gold and tan and you can't think of a color the rocks in Jemez Mountains do not appear to be in the sunshine they are gorgeous just gorgeous granted there's not a lot of green out there because it's really really dry in New Mexico right now because they haven't had rain for like nine months or something like that not any rain at all but the rocks were gorgeous not only that but we went to a um National Monument, Mandalier National Monument, where the rock is so soft that you can sort of carve into it pretty easily with very simple tools. And there was a whole community, a whole nation, really, of Native Americans who lived in Mandalier area and had their pueblos, and had their houses, and then they had their caves that they dug back into, into the uh, cliffs there in Bandelier. That was great to see. And then, what else is it? Oh, Tent Rock. Tent Rock is another national monument near, near uh, Santa Fe that just takes your breath away. Sometimes to see the natural 
formations of how the world works, or how natural, na- how nature carves things into, into hard materials. See, tent rock, which is basically a high area which had a couple of rocks on top of it. The ground underneath eroded, except where the rock protected it. And so there's a rock on top of these tall spikes, I mean, 100 feet tall spires of soft rock and earth. And so it's a big thing that's like a tent. That's why it's called tent rocks, because it's a tall, small stone at the top, and below it, it widens out like a great big tent. Unbelievable. It was so much fun to go out there, and I appreciate my friends hosting me out there. My son hosted me out there as well, even though I had to spend the night in an RV out in the driveway, because his apartment, he lives in a wine barrel. My son and I'm not talking about a homeless shelter wine barrel. He literally has has a house that is a big one of those huge wine barrels, about 12 feet wide and about 12 feet high, well, maybe higher than that, 15 feet high. And um, on the side of it has been added a kitchen and a bathroom. So he has his bedroom and loft is in the wine barrel, set up on end. No, it's not on its side. It's on its end. And uh, he then sit, the kitchen, he cooks in the kitchen beside it and sleeps and lives with his his sweetheart, Lauren, in the uh, round barrel part of the thing. It was pretty amazing. Just what you'd think about seeing in California. If you go to California, that's what you think about seeing is people living in wine barrels in the middle of a cow pasture. That is, yeah, that's exactly what California looks like. Let's go to the phones. we got gardeners on the line here. Betty is in Monroe, Georgia, been waiting patiently this morning. Good morning, Betty. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. What's I up? A, I have a corn plant that's some. about... Eight feet tall and six feet are these barren stems, yep. leafless stems. Can I chop that thing back to the stump? What is holding you back? If you well, had a I knife in your hand right now or pruner, I'd say go do it right now. Let us listen to it on the radio. I thought it might die and it would never put out again. If it does, it'll be the first one. <laughs> <laughs> the corn plant. And for listeners who are thinking, what, is, is she growing popcorn or sweet corn? Or what is Betty? No, she's growing Dracaena. Dracaena is a common house plant, which people call corn plant because it has a long stem. And usually, if you don't, if you put it in enough light, it won't get bare stems like Betty's. But how long have you had it, Betty? Forever. Exactly. That's what happens to corn plants when you have them forever. A forever old corn plant has long bare stems and then the leaves over the top. Yeah, the bottom leaves die off, and I have to cut them. They're so ugly, and I've got like ten leaves at the top and about four feet of barren stem. Yeah. If it had more light, it wouldn't lose the leaves at the bottom. But it's, you know, that's what plants do. When the upper leaves have more light, they get the light and they shade the bottom, and the bottom falls off. Okay, so you have the bare stem. So um, I'm assuming it's near a sunny window inside the house. It sure is. It gets a lot of light. Well, it didn't think so. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not as much as it wants. It's a tropical plant, after all. Oh, okay. So um, do you want any more of them, Betty? Yeah, that would be nice. If you want some more, honey, you can have 20, probably more, in a shake of a shake of a stick. Here's what you do. Um, the corn plant down at the bottom is about how thick? The stick is... You know, that mainmost stem that yeah. comes out of the pot. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, it's big as your thumb and second yeah. finger, as big a circle as you can make. Got it. All right, so not huge. So take a... You know, if you wanted to do this really, really well, if you can stand the weight from now until first week of April, I guess, if you can stand that weight, you could wait until then, cut it off at about four inches, I'm saying, or about four inches high off the uh, away from the soil surface, and each one of the nodes, and you'll see those nodes as they go up the stem, each node was where a leaf came out, 
and then you can take the stem and wherever there's a node make another cut just above the node between it and the node next to it up the, up the stem and you'll have 10 or 15 probably nodes between uh, the where you cut it off at the four inches high off the soil and, and the you're leaves. talking about the main most trunk not those four or five stems that come off of it each one of the stems could be cut too I mean, oh. anytime, anytime you see a node, that okay. is a possibility of rooting, making okay. a new stem, and making new leaves, and making a new corn plant. So you could have a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of plants there. Okay. So that sounds, the, how you know, long again, it all you have to do is wait until April if you want to do this. The reason I say wait until April is because it will respond most readily and most vigorously if you take that plant outside to a little bright shade area underneath the dogwood or underneath your patio porch where it doesn't get any really direct sunshine, it gets a lot more light outside it on your porch than it does inside. Don't put it in full sun because in it, full sun it'll cook. It weighs a ton. Well, then we won't do that. <laughs> if it weighs a ton, I'm not going to do it, and you don't want to do it either. Uh-uh. No, sir, yeah. I don't do those things anymore. So, all right, we don't have to wait until April. In that case, just do it right now. Okay. Cut it off at four inches. And again, those nodes, if you save those stems, cut it off so each piece of stem has a node, maybe two if you want to. And each one of those can be put sideways. Just lay it down sideways in a saucer or shallow container of soil. Press it down a little bit so it's in good contact with the soil. Moisten it around, certainly. If you want to do this in a plastic um, Tupperware box, one of those plastic shoe boxes that Tupperware makes. If you want to do it in that, it's great because you can fill it halfway full of soil, put those nodes right up close to each other, just mash them into the soil, one, two, three, four, five, on their side, and then cover the, the top of the Tupperware box with a saran wrap to keep it nice and humid inside there. And after two, like about three, maybe four weeks for the nodes to start rooting and start making little leaves. And you can, again, keep it in your, in your sunny window there. But Do you I should need see to leave them. the end sort of out of the ground, the actually, growing end? No, actually, you mash them down sideways. All of them? Sideways. All, the whole thing? Yeah. You oh. mash them down sideways, each one of the little node segments. Mash them down sideways about halfway into the soil. And they'll all root, and then you got some more corn plants. Well, all righty. Then you just stick around, because I'll be having corn, pl corn plants extra to give away. <laughs> <laughs> Betty, it's great talking to you. Thanks for calling. Okay, thank you. We'll Bye. see you soon at 617 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. I want a girl with a mind like a diamond. I want a girl who knows what's best. I want a girl with shoes that cut and uh, eyes that burn like cigarettes. Jason, this may be one of my favorite songs ever. It is up there. Cake is a fantastic band. Cake. I want a girl shoes that cut. Oh, yeah. Quick weather update. Oh, we got weather in here. Quick weather update. Barking about Ackerman Security. Today, you heard Brad Nitz say just a minute ago, today's high around 49 degrees overnight, low around 37. Rain moving in, of course. Tomorrow, rainy some, but maybe not so much all the day. 30, 50 degrees is the high, 32 degrees is the low for your part of the country, my part as well. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. Martin in Conyers, Georgia joins us. Martin, hey, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How you doing? Doing fine, Martin. What's up? Question. Um, I grass is dormant. 
Martin, Martin, wait, 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 Martin, are you talking through a can with a string right now? What are you talking on that I can barely understand you? Oh, I'm talking, I probably was probably talking kind of low. Okay, talk, was, talk loud. Asking, okay, I was asking you that uh, I, my grass is dormant in the front, and I noticed that there's some green spots. Yeah. I cannot put any weed chill down right now. Yeah. We're going to kill them dead. So if you've got dormant Bermuda grass or zoysia or something that's brown right now, then the green spots show up. That's usually going to be one of the winter, common winter weeds like chickweed or annual bluegrass, maybe a little bit of uh, henbit in there as well. But all of them, well, I shouldn't say all of them, but anyway, the broadleaf things. So go out, Martin, when we finish our conversation, when you get home and it's light outside, go out and look at the, gra look at the weeds and see if they have broadleaves or if it's a grass. That's, you know, I don't need to tell you what, grass, what weeds you have, but one's going to be grassy. That's the annual bluegrass. One is going to be broadleafed, or a couple of them are going to be broadleafed, like clover and henbit and chickweed, some of the winter annual plants. Yeah, I got them both. All right. In that case, there's one, you know what, I bet you I've got one answer for you right now that'll take care of both of them. There's a product called Image, I-M-A-G-E. And there are two or three image products in their line, but the one you want is called Image for Nutgrass. And even though it's sold to control nutgrass, it does a pretty good job of controlling the weed called nutgrass. If you read the label, it says, also controls annual bluegrass and other broadleaf weeds in dormant lawn grasses, which is exactly what you have, Martin, a dormant lawn grass with broadleaf and grassy weeds in it. And if you read the label on the image product, if that's what you think you're going to, going to use, it says be sure and water it in because it's absorbed not by the leaves but by the roots of the plant. So you have to water it in, get down to where the roots are. If it rains tonight, if it rains tomorrow, then you'd be well ahead of the game. If you went out and bought some this afternoon, put it down and then let the rain water it into the ground. And it should within, it'll take a while, so within three weeks or so, you should sort of see the weeds yellowing up and dying. And then just in time for the regular long grass to turn up and be green. So that's what you do. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Thank you very, very much for your time. It is my pleasure, Martin, and drive safely. We'll see you soon. We've got hey, we've got time here for Caesar. Caesar and Lovejoy, join us on Lawn and Garden, Caesar. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Hey, brother. Great fine. Master Gardener. Oh, man. Listen, I had a question regarding a uh, tree that I purchased. I purchased yeah. several of them. I got most of them in the ground, yeah. but I still have one that's not in the ground. And because of all of the cold weather we had, yeah. Uh, is this tree going, I mean, it looks bad, but is it still going to flower and come yeah. back? And Is it in a pot or how is it's it? It's in a pot. Yeah, so it's a gallon, dogwood. Should be fine. I mean, it's not supposed to have leaves or look like much of anything right now when it's right. cold, you know. Right. And yeah. if you've watered it or kept it from being just completely abused for the last several weeks or months that you've had in the pot, Caesar, yeah. it should be fine. Well, I guess the best thing I can do is keep it watered. The best thing you could do is keep it watered. The actually best thing you could do, Caesar, is plant it. That would be best. But yeah. if you can't plant it, then okay, keep it watered okay. in the All pot. Right. Uh, about plant it. Yeah. If, if I'm planting a tree, I planted a bald cypress next to a sweet gum tree that was cut down. Yeah. As I dig down, I got as many of the roots out as I could from the sweet gum tree. But when I plant the bald cypress, yeah. there's still areas around the hole that these roots are so big that yeah. uh, is, is that going to be a problem with a new roots from the bald cypress able to find its way and 
get in the soil and grow like a healthy tree? Absolutely so. Yeah, the ball cypress has roots that will sort of go in and around and amongst the roots from the tree that was cut down. And the roots from the tree that was cut down are going to continue to decompose. They will give a little bit of nutrition over the years to the ball cypress. Oh, okay. So nothing wrong with that. And uh, suppose, not supposedly, but surely those sweet gum roots eventually will just all disappear. The ball cypress will root itself in and amongst, and I think it'll be fine. And ball cypress, by the way, is a beautiful, beautiful tree, Caesar. So I love happy. that tree. Yeah, I'm happy for your choice there because it's a great-looking tree. Why did you decide on ball cypress? I grew up in Tampa, Florida, and I'm used to the cypress environment. Right. And it gives so much. It, 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 it loses its leaves. Yep. It's a beautiful tree. It can live in the damp area, so that's why I chose ball cypress. It's native to the southeast, so that's why I chose it. All those reasons are excellent reasons, Caesar. That's exactly the reason you find a tree. It's native. It has something that attracts you, you like, like the leaves falling, the great fall brown colors. Exactly. It's gorgeous. Um, and in a few years, when you go out there to mow nearby, you'll find something that goes, bah, 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 yeah. a lot more when the knees come up out of the ground. Well, I got it in a, in a low-lying you know, area, so yeah. there's no lawn in that location. Man, you have done just perfectly. See, I'm congratulating you right now. I got to go, man, All but right, thank, thank you, you very for much. calling. Thanks Bye-bye. for calling. See, the great conversation there. 628 at News Talk WSB, 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 636 in News Talk WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener. I'm here to assist you. You tell me what direction you want to go. I will get you on that direction in a profitable, easy to understand, and hopefully less work-involved way. I'm a lazy guy. I'm not going to deny anything about laziness. When it comes to me and gardening, I try to do it the most effective, easiest, laziest, don't require a lot of input, gardening that's my favorite kind and if you have a need to control weeds to grow flowers to make your shrubbery look better to make your trees grow better to control bugs and critters inside the house if you have questions about any of that information give me a call 404-872-0750 robert's out in tucker georgia and joins us in lawn and garden robert good morning good morning sir what's that uh buckeye plants yeah uh, are they common I've got one in my backyard, so no. I got, no, wait, wait, yeah. I got two in my backyard, so no, no, they're not rare at all. How okay, come? that's fine. What have you Last got? Last week, you had a great host. Yes, uh, indeed. Ashley and shot, Winston. Shot me down back, big time about my live oak tree in my backyard. What did they say? He said, well, there's a it's kind of, there's a, one that looks like a live oak. Yeah. And it's, I have, I know mine's a live oak. Okay. So what did they do to shoot you down? Because the one, he said there was another variety that uh, is budding out this time of year. Another variety of live oak or another variety no, of oak? No, uh, another variety of oaks. Huh. Well, live yeah. oaks are around and about in the Atlanta area. We had a caller from Brasselton, I think it was, not long ago. Who oh, right, right. I've seen that tree. But, yeah. but he said that but this other, this I call it the daddy tree. <laughs> All right. And my other tree. 
my my tray, so my property is not budding out. And this this tray, which I thought was the one that had uh, brought up my tray, yeah. uh, is budding out. Is that was it? Are lilacs budding? Are lilacs budding out now? I haven't. I don't have one of those in my backyard, so I don't know what's happening in my backyard or what's not happening okay, in my okay. backyard. Okay. All right, no big deal. All right. Uh, here, the orange wild azalea yes, is, is only native to the Cab County. That's not always true. There's some native azaleas running around Atlanta and no, South Carolina. No, 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 no. The orange, orange color. There's, I, that's one usually flame azalea is one I think of as being the orange, orangish one. Why do you think it's only native to DeKalb County? I read it in a book. Uh, I had a, he was a rep for uh, a. I saw it in a book. That's what brought it to my attention. It's got to be true if it's written down. Of course, anything written down is absolutely. Oh, 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 oh of course. And so yeah, that, I don't believe yeah. that to be true. I don't see why there'd be any distinction between DeKalb County, Rockdale County, Henry that County. One, I, well, I've never I've never seen the orange variety other than you know. But that's okay. No big deal. All right. Well, Robert, I need, to, I need to let you go, man. But we will start with the question you had originally. Buckeyes, not rare. You can have one. I can have one. We can all have them grow buckeyes. Red buckeyes are great down yeah. here. The other ones do yeah. well, too. Sounds good, too. Thanks, all right, man. Buddy. We'll see you, Robert. Thanks for calling. we got John in Ball Ground, Georgia. Ball Ground, Georgia. Hey, John. Good morning. How are you doing? Doing fine, John. How can I help? Well, my Latin roses are just starting to bloom now, and yeah. I was wondering when should I fertilize them? Uh, last week, <laughs> but they'll be fine if you put fertilize them right now. The only problem that I've had with fertilizing mine is I have several upright, which is unusual. Hellebores, as you know, usually the flowers sort of point downwards, but I had some upright hellebores that were white flowers, and I put fertilizer on them, and they were all brown and ugly within five days. It rained right after I put the fertilizer out, and I thought, dead gum, Walter, why aren't you smarter than that? You should have fertilized them back in early January. Okay, so, but, but it's not too late to put like fertilizer. No, 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 no. Right now it'd be good. Back in December would have been fine. But any time before and during when they grow, make their growth, which is right now, you know, the leaves are green and popping up all over the place, flowers are opening up. And so now's a great time to do it. What will you fertilize with, do you think, John? Well, I've got the malorganite or also got the liquid, you know, miracle Grow. So which yeah. would be the best? Uh, half a, six of one and half a dozen of the other. The miracle Grow will give you immediate growth on it, but the long-term health of the plant, I think, would be better with milorganite. Nice, slow-release, nutrients, organic fertilizer. I think I'd lean towards milorganite if that's what you have. I'd use that. I can, I can do that. Yeah. Right. Thanks for the information. Good talking to you, John. Thanks for calling. Bye. 40 minutes past the hour, and Tim's on the line. Tim in Maxie's, Georgia. Hey, Tim, good morning. Good morning. How are you, Walter? I'm all right. What's up? I was wondering, when is the best time to cut back knockout roses and crepe myrtles? My favorite time on knockout rose is in mid-February, when the weather has warmed up for about four days. It'll do that every year reliably. I don't know when it will, but sometime in mid-February, you'll get four or okay. five days of 60 degrees, 70 almost degree weather. And it'll cause the canes of the knockout rose to start little buds, little red buds all over the canes. And the reason I like it to prune at that time of year is because the buds should be 
or the the rose that should be pruned in such a way that the bud, the cut that is right below, excuse me, the cut that's right above, a bud that faces outward is what you want to do. So if you can see the buds readily, which you can in mid-February, you make your cut okay. just above an outward-facing bud, and that makes the branches grow outward and upward rather than inward. When they grow inward, they don't have near as many flowers on them, and they cross and straight other things in the flowers. It's not good for the knockout rose's eventual appearance. Make your cuts above a bud that faces outward, and you're you're home 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 free. You've done it right. Perfect. How about with the crepe myrtles? Huh? Why do you want to prune the crepe myrtle anyway? Because uh, my wife tells me to. Oh, boy, that's a great reason. Uh, that is an excellent reason. Get out there and do it right now in the dark. <laughs> um, you you don't have to prune a crepe myrtle other than when your wife tells you to. That is one of those rules, but. You don't have to prune a crepe myrtle in order to make it bloom. A lot of people okay. do prune crepe myrtles, true, but they do it because the wives tell them to it because they saw a landscaper down the street in front of the Chick-fil-A or the you know, Popeyes that prune exactly them down or something why, like that. That's exactly why she told me. She saw a guy the other day that was pruning crepe myrtles, and she says, well, it's time to do ours. And I said, well, okay. Say, honey, I would rather take you shopping right down today than I would prune a crepe myrtle. Let's see what her choice is. If she would like to go on like a little little staycation in the weekend, see what her choice would be. Going out with you, going to a movie and to dinner or something nice like that, or pruning the crepe myrtles, which you want, honey bunch. Figure it out. Y'all figure it out together. All right, Walter. Thank you, bud. Tim, it was great talking to you. Thanks for calling. It's 642. Oh, man, we're just flying through the calls. If you want to call and add your name to the list, 404 Eight seven two zero seven fifty is my number. Stephen is in Lindale and joins us on Lonnie. Where where is where is Lindale, Stephen? Uh, it's on Highway twenty seven, about halfway between Cedartown and Rome, northwest Georgia. I, I don't believe I've ever had the pleasure of going through Lindale, but now I know somebody from Lindale, so I hope you have. It's uh, about the same size as between out toward that. That is. <laughs> Gone. That is not a great big town, but I will certainly make it my business to come to Lindale someday. How can I help, Stephen? Yes, sir. Um, bought a new place up here. I want to grow some peach trees. All right. But I'm wondering how the farmers did it back in the late 1800s when uh, Georgia kind of switched from cotton and corn to corn and peach trees. That they didn't have all the sprays and fungicides back right. then that we have now. Well, they didn't have sprays and fungicides like we have now, but they had sprays and fungicides, which would kill a few of them every year just to keep them on their toes. Um, you had various arsenic compounds that would kill the insects very readily. Boy, it would kill a you know, peach tree borer or a cuculio, the weevil that gets on peach trees. Boy, the arsenic compounds, bang, they're dead. Then you had the Bordeaux mixture and other fungicides, which had copper and some other toxic metals in them, and they would knock diseases for a loop, too. Again, it would kill a couple of them just to make sure the smart ones survived. But uh, yeah. <laughs> those yeah, products are no longer on the market. <laughs> so we don't use those compounds anymore. We use more benign things that you can't at least touch them or look at them without being poisoned. So okay. um, these days, and, and I'm not to say there's not some toxicity in the pun fungicides and insecticides we use now. Certainly there is. But the ones we use now have to be applied appropriately and regularly in order to prevent the disease and insect problems that you know that is always going to affect peaches. So if you'll get started on a good peach spray program, you can have peaches as long as you keep the squirrels out of them. But if you don't spray peaches and you don't do anything to them, then within two or three years, you'll have so much disease in the ground on the twigs and the rotten fruit on the ground. You'll have insects that have sort of migrated in or roosting in the weeds around the peach patch. 
uh, you have to spray. And if you'll do that, you can have peaches pretty easily. Okay. Um, if I didn't want to put that much investment into spraying, could you recommend another fruit tree? Apples. Get an apple, get a fig, get a blueberry, raspberries, blackberries, uh, something that's not near the trouble of a peach. All those will do fine. Okay. Apples right. are great. Go ahead. And a couple of weeks ago, you said something about a palm tree that would withstand this cold weather, and I missed the name of the palm tree. Windmill palm. Windmill. Yeah, windmill. windmill palm. Go to any garden center that's worth a, worth a nickel, and they will have windmill palms in great big pots back in the back. They will come in 5 to 10 to 20-gallon pots. They'll cost you appropriately, but they will not freeze. That is the guaranteed truth. They will not freeze in Georgia. Okay. Well, wonderful. You are a wealth of information, and I appreciate listening to you every Saturday morning. Stephen, I appreciate it. Thank you for calling. It makes it a better show when people like you call. So there you go. All right. Thank you, sir. You have a great day. Thank you, sir. Steve. We'll see you soon. We've got Jane and McDonald real quickly here. Jane, good morning. Welcome to Lawn and Garden. Been listening to you since you came on the air. Used to do Girl. lawn service for a living, and I love your show. Do you remember when I my son two... was born 27 years ago, Jane? That no, it has never been boring. Every Saturday morning. All right. Tell me um, about the orange azaleas, Jane. Okay. The four orange azaleas my husband planted, sorry, five. 15 years ago. They grow straight up. They have a top knot. Yeah. The blooms are big as a saucer. Wow. I, I've got them. I know they're true natives to this area like we used to have when I was a kid. Sure. But they will not flourish from the bottom. They will not spread out. They look just like they did <laughs> 15 years ago. Yeah. What and can I do? If I were assured that you had the right light levels in the woods where they're growing right now, I would say prune them a little bit to make the bottom fill out. But I'm We've not assured that. of that. Yeah. I would say the better thing to do, honestly, is get another one or two or three and plant underneath it or some other ground cover kind of plant like ferns or something that hides the naked stems underneath and do okay. that rather than trying to prune and encourage the growth low on the plant. I'd rather you planted other things around to draw the interest of the air. Yeah, underplant. That's the word then we want. why will my kefir pear of Eight years, not bloom and produce anything. Mm, of course, we've had frost a couple of years here. I don't does know. Kefir pear is perfectly hardy. It works very well for lots and lots of people. It's beautiful, but it does nothing. You'll see a bud or two yeah. on it, and then that's it. It never forms mm. the but the little fruit bud. Make sure it has lots of fertilizer when it needs it in the spring. And it's getting close. Within a month, you should be fertilizing your pear tree. So... If you've never fertilized it, fertilizer makes new leaves on a plant. The leaves make sugar. The sugar feeds the buds. The buds make the fruit. And well, I know we as a kid, we didn't have a buddy tree. I thought maybe today it could have been hybridized and no, I needed another no. one. It doesn't, doesn't need a buddy tree, a husband or a wife, either way. Fertilizer, okay. I think, is what you need to do, Jane, to it. And it just helps overall health and growth. And you know, maybe that'll produce a few more buds and a few more flowers in the years to come. Jane, I got to go, but I appreciate your call at 648. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. Close 
little bit of up-tempo garden music this morning at 6.54. Time for a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Sunny today, high 49, low tonight 37. Tomorrow rain, some of the early part of the day mostly, high 50, low of 32 degrees. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And coming up tomorrow morning, your Sunday edition of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution covering local, national, regional news, and doing a whale of a good job with investigative reporting right now, and covering the legislature like, well, we won't say what it covers it like, but nonetheless, covering the Georgia legislature where every day they're in session is another opportunity to change your economic uh, forecast for the next year. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Ben in Gainesville, Georgia is with us. Hey, Ben, good morning. Hello. Hey, brother Ben, what's up? Uh, is it? I got the the little grass, and uh, is it best to uh, leave the clippers down or pick it up? Who is says either one? Is it is it you and your wife, or somebody else that you're arguing with about this? Why do you ask? Uh, yeah, me and the wife talk about it. <laughs> Whichever one takes the position that leaving them down is better is the winner. It's better to leave grass clippings where they lie on the lawn after you've mowed the lawn, of course, and hopefully you have a good lawnmower with a nice sharp blade. But it's better to leave the grass clippings down on the ground, let them decompose, and add a little bit of nitrogen and nutrients back to the soil where the grass can use it. Okay, I always pick it up, so uh, it's best to leave it down. Huh? Well, sometimes I pick it up because I'm too lazy to mow often enough, and if I leave it down, my mower is not good enough to chop it up and make it real fine so it doesn't make windrows across the lawn. So if I'm lazy and have these windrows that are across my lawn of, you know, grass that is just piled up as I move the lawnmower around, then in that case, yeah, I either rake it out or I collect it in a bag or something like that. So if you're a very infrequent mower, sometimes you have to remove the grass that so doesn't mat down and make the rows. Okay, well, thank you very much. Drive safely, Brother Ben. We'll see you soon. We got who's right. that? Kim is on the line. Kim in Decatur, Georgia. Hey, Kim. Good morning. Hi, hi. thanks for taking my call. Hey, hey, Kim. Good morning. How can I help? Well, um, I want to put in a, a tree called a hornbeam. Sure. And Because uh, I need something that's kind of small and vertical. And I'm just wondering, are they, are they susceptible to any kind of you know, diseases or bugs, you know, things like, you know, I mean, like people have so many problems with cherry trees. I've never seen a hornbeam have much of any problem on it. No, I think you're a fine choice, fine choice. Okay, great. Who right, who recommended or how did you find out about the hornbeam tree? Um, some friends have had, had some near their house uh -huh. um, for about two years, and they're, they look real nice, you know, but they've only had them a couple of years. Yeah. You, you um, might have a little problem finding them readily available at the corner nursery. So do call around, ask before you start leaping and making all your plans around it, because if they are out or if they haven't had a good year in the production uh, uh, farms, then there might not be any hornbeams available this year. But you can call nurseries around and about and ask Pike and the various other ones and see if they have it or plan to have it, I guess, and see uh, okay. so that you can find Okay, it's just a, it's kind of a, a smallish sort of area yeah. I had to put them in, and so I, I just need something vertical. That and yeah. and theirs look so nice. Yeah, so. I think you made a good choice. Hornbeam tree is a great right. choice. All right, thank you. Thanks for calling, Kim. Don't forget, if you don't get your question answered today, if you'd rather not call, by the way, the number, 404-872-0750. 
But if you'd rather not call, but rather get your guarding information in other forms, you can always go to my website and look there for information about plants. You can also subscribe to my email newsletter. Now, that is something fun because it comes out every other Thursday. It has articles and pictures and things about things that are going on in the gardens and questions from gardeners just like you who want to know what to do. So you can subscribe to the newsletter. You can follow me on Facebook, on Twitter. Get all your information digitally and don't have to call on the radio and talk on the phone to me. 404 872 750 is my number, and we'll be back after news.